I mean, I may not contribute all much to this one today. Why? Yes, you will. It's your idea. All right, well, let's go. Let's. Where should we are. Oh, we're going. <laughs> yeah, we are going. And we, and we brought in a buddy. We got. Is this? Because we've done in front of the class. That doesn't count as a guest. Is this our first guest? No, no, no. Because we had Julie Book when That's we did it right. at but the, the bar. But the, yeah, when we did it at a bar. <laughs> we've done live shows before, but this is kind of our first in-studio podcast That's true. guest, studio, right? Studio. Studio. Yeah. So, studio. Well, it's... Okay, tell us where we are because so, I... Yeah. <laughs> we are... We're in the Department of Health and Physical Education at Mount Royal University in the chair's quote-unquote office. We've done podcasts in this building before. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But the chair's office was supposed to be my office, but I didn't like it because it didn't have any natural light, and it was too close to the students. Right. So I stayed in the back corner where I was hidden away and right. as far removed from other people as possible. So it's now a meeting no, space. No, 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 no. It's a no, podcast room. It. <laughs> The reason you didn't move is it would have taken you four weeks to take all the crap off your walls crap. and reassemble it. Well, it's not crap. It's not crap. It's one of the most unique artifacts. Historical. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like, we should get this building. It's a hall of fame. Right? Yeah, that's what it is. The, bu- the building should be saved now. They should never tear this building down. No. Well, right? exactly. Okay, so when, uh, David Finch has already started talking, but we haven't even introduced our guest yet. Doctor. Doctor David Finch. Doctor. Yeah, hey? but not not the kind that helps people. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> as my kids tell me every day. <laughs> but we are in an actual podcasting room. Yes, right. That's that's been renamed. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's now it's now being taxed under that umbrella. Oh boy. As a podcasting room. So okay, where are we going today? Because if if I just came in, set up, and press start, <laughs> if if <laughs> we could go a couple of different directions. Yeah. Part of me wants to play referee between you two and your little social media spat on esports. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's really what I want to do. That's the podcast I really want to do. I shouldn't say really want to do. Yes, I really want to do that, but I really want to. Or the one that has become this real passion play, and I think is very, I mean, you guys deserve a ton of credit because in a short amount of time, has turned into something really cool and something I think very critical, which is, you know, the active city project right so which is it are we doing two today well actually no i i think we start with the twitter twitter spat we had yesterday because i posted all the new logos for the xfl yesterday and finch tweets back you listed i think eight to ten other football leagues yeah (laughs) yeah every football league that is is now defunct yeah yeah and listen we could probably talk about the nfl exhibition game in winnipeg uh, wow. last night and Holy the 80 yard field and there's oh. a lot there we could because but there's anyways, a lot yeah, that goes yeah, into yeah. that too okay right? no no but no the focus for today and the reason why we invited David Finch uh, from the business school to come and join us is to talk exactly as you just uh, okay. referred to is Active City Summit yep which is dun 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 September 18th yep. 8 to 4 Winsport tickets on sale going fast so if you want to be a part of this conversation, you need to be there. But just as a bit of a circle, can I circle back? A Please. Bit? So David Finch teaches in our business school. I'm mm-hmm. going to introduce you on, can I do that? Uh, worked, for, worked for Trojan no. World for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> and has a background in sport marketing. And he and I have done a number of projects together. But I would say started working more closely together um, 
last year when we hosted a symposium related to the bid for the 2026 Olympic and Paralympic Games, which we hosted here on campus and had great turnout, great speakers. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it was something, it was, it was a huge success, if I can say that myself. And I think that's really where the genesis and then the plebiscite, you know, a couple of weeks later, where it was the quote unquote failed plebiscite. And then, you know, as we would have conversations similar, not, not dissimilar no, to I, kind of how you and I got to, you know, met yeah, and yeah. kind of created a friendship. And over time, we started having these conversations about Calgary questioning itself. And then uh, David and I worked on another project with my students where the students had to argue whether Calgary was still a great, quote unquote, sport and recreation city. Um, and from that, we then kind of started thinking you know, is Calgary still a great sport and recreation city? What is Calgary's calling card? Is it yeah. the active economy? Is this something that Calgary can put its hands around and really brag about and recognize that it's a significant player within our city and perhaps has gone unnoticed before? And I would say that that was the genesis for this conversation. So on behalf of Mr. Kerr and myself, welcome David Finch to our podcast. Thank you, Dr. Legg. So yeah, we'll here. let you know we aren't going to solve anything. Like that's, <laughs> that's the whole, the whole so. premise of this thing. We're not going to solve anything. <laughs> By the way, that question, if I may just go back to that question, is Calgary a great sports city? Maybe my favorite question of the last decade. Mm. For, what, for a guy that used to make his living always talking about sports and questions, I love good questions. That is such a good question because, A, there is no answer, and, B, there's no shortage of opinions on it. I love that question. Yeah, it led to it, we we did a podcast on it. It's led to so much, yeah. right? You can go you can go in so many different directions. Um, first of all, just the de the definition of sport and recreation and physical activity and where does it begin and where does it end? And you alluded to this, mm. the you know the conversation about esport and does that fit? Yeah, uh, we would argue, I think that yes, it does. Um, but it it but I you know I I'm bad because depending on who I speak to last will then inform <laughs> my my opinion on things. Um, and so I could probably go multiple ways just on that conversation alone. But let's not, let's not focus on that. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the, the reason that we're hosting this event on the 18th and kind of what our plans are. Oh, right? yeah, we'll get there. Oh, no, no, we'll get there. We always do. <laughs> no, but I just want to go back to that question, Dave. Yep. Oh, sorry, uh, doctor. No, oh, well, I don't Yeah, you, never, <laughs> you have never ever referred to me as Dr. Leg. No, no. well, <laughs> that's true. All right, doctor, yeah. doctor. Yeah. Um, that question, though. The, what I loved about it, too, and I, I, I know you're going to appreciate this one because I, I do follow you on social media. The question's even made better in this age of tribalism because there are some who will say, we better line up and say, yes, we are, because we are, because that's what we do. But it is, if you take a good, it forces, I think the question forces you to take a good, hard look at everything. And this is the question, is Calgary still a great sport? That's, that's yeah, okay. right? So it starts with measurement. Right. This is my background as a marketer. You know, so what exactly? How do you define what your measure is, um, and then from there, what's in fact the evidence suggest? And that was the question of yes, you can talk to nineteen different people and get nineteen different answers. You can look at nineteen different global ranking systems that rank, you know, literally cities that are one or a hundred on that list, yeah. depending upon what you're measuring. Right. So this is the essence of this project is. So how do we want to in fact? evaluate that and from an academic and somewhat a commercial perspective is looking at all the research and all the science and all the evidence that's available to us and pulling those together within a coherent story so that's the essence of active city and then fundamentally around this question of value rob 
you know, so the yep. question of what role does it play in society? Because again, I look at it from a pure business perspective. This is about an investment strategy, um, whether it be uh, myself investing in my kids' mm-hmm. recreation, uh, or the city investing in infrastructure, or the, or the country investing in, uh, in, right. in a sports uh, initiative. How does it matter? What does it matter? How do you measure the outcomes associated with that? And at the end, in the day of scarcity. It's mm-hmm. all about the, the, the prioritization of these resources. Mm-hmm. So if somebody can jump up and say uh, investment X is more than important than investment Y, this right. is where you start seeing the deterioration of participation in organized sport or recreation. And I think just in the last year, we recognize, and we've had this conversation before, the number of conversations just in Calgary alone about do we invest in A versus B, field house, event center, yep. golf course closure, yep. pool closure. Uh, you just go on and on hmm. and on. It's not just this is not just a reflection or a rebuttal to the plebiscite. Um, I would say that this conversation is is going from grassroots to high performance. The the, the challenges that wind sports facing right mm-hmm. now with their facilities. So I think this is across the city, across the spectrum, across the age span. Uh, this is a big this is a big issue for us to tackle. But I think it it, it may, in many people's mind, particularly in mine, wasn't prior to this. It mm-hmm. wasn't. We're very focus, almost myopic in things. And and so I, I just, I want to come back to the data. Are we in danger of providing information, data, reality to people in an age in which that is no longer in fact? You know, it's a, that, that's, we don't want that. We want, you know, we want affirmation. We don't want information, right? That, that's an interesting observation. I, I would say, um, again, you look at it from a, kind of a, uh, an individual's perspective. I think people want data to make decisions about efficient allocation of a scarce but, resources. But do they, David, because I go back to the, the Olympic debate, and, and the one thing that really bugged me about the Olympic debate, and I think it's a fair criticism of both sides, was, okay, I have a question, and the other side would answer it, and then, then you go, well, no, no, I don't want the answer from you because you're on that side. Mm-hmm. And and that's the you know what I'm really fascinated to know is that the information will be there the data is there it's to me it's well it's not it's not Rob. I, where I'm going to argue it's got to be personalized again the value proposition has to so the challenge and okay. this is overlaying a study that David and I did do around the entire CBEC and Olympic yeah. bid process people never personalized it hmm. um, I'm a big believer from a marketing perspective it's about what's in it for me right if people don't see that connection. Then they're out. Then they can be persuaded by anyone that's outside the scope. So that challenges what I thought of that. I, I was under the impression that the, the, the day was won by those who felt that they would be negatively impacted by you know, increased taxes and, and uh, traffic through construction and wouldn't see a benefit from a, a, corrupt, a corrupt body. But what you're telling me is that is actually not no, I think I think that's what won the day. What won the day is the 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 benefits were never sold at a personal level. I never saw how it was going to impact my life in the Hamptons. But the potential problems were sold at that level. Like, well, yeah. because that's easy. Yeah, yeah. that's ah, easy because it's easy to say it's somebody else's fault, right? We see this politically <laughs> all the time, Absolutely. right? But you've got to drive it to an individual because at the end of the day, this is a purchasing decision. Right, I got to decide to purchase, you know, turn left or turn right, purchase product X or product Y, and if you can't create a value proposition that's meaningful to me, my time, my money is going to go elsewhere, and this is fundamentally what happened here. So, all about Active City is about removing ourselves from a culture of top-down 
decision making, mm-hmm. uh, which which the city has lived on for decades of incredibly um, powerful and influential and and important um, civic boosters, right? And that was what truly drove us through the last 50 years. And, and that's, arguably benevolent, too. I mean, they made decisions that that's, were for the betterment of the city. That is not, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying that those are the leaders that got our city to where they got us. Because, in fact, that's the, the traditional, historic, top-down model um, from a governance and, and, and decision-making perspective. What you've seen in the last 10 years uh, from a business perspective is the very nature of, uh, of crowdsourcing, the very nature of engagement. Product design, product engagement starts far earlier uh, in the process. We just don't build it and they will come, mm-hmm. right? Because that used to be a wonderful model. Build mm-hmm. it and they will come and then I can get enough people to buy what I design and tell them it's important to them and life is good. Mm-hmm. Now it's about, no, 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 it's the early ideation stage. Right. People have to own it because if they don't own it, somebody else will get them to own it. Right, mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to do from an active city perspective. We're trying to engage people at the most foundational question of what exactly makes you active. We're not defining that box for them. We're not saying it's hockey or tai chi because it's really up to them and what's personal to them. And I think that reframes the conversation in a way that people start reflecting on that differently. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, Finch makes a, an important distinction here. This is not just about high performance sport. Uh, this is not just about professional sport. This is across the spectrum, and we're arguing that the active economy is far bigger and far more impactful than perhaps it's given credit for. And you know, in part of our kind of research and preparing for this event and the summit and just the idea of trying to articulate an active economy, David Finch was, was giving an example of the medical technology community within yeah. Boston that went unnoticed for years, um, but yet when somebody actually tried to put a box around it and articulate how much it was actually driving economics within a Boston community, it was in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we're suggesting that the active economy could be similar and, in fact, could be the calling card for Calgary and something that Calgary could really hold uh, with a great deal of pride and, and recognition on an international scale, that this is something that we are doing really well or could do really well. So I want to go back and revisit something that we talked about on our last podcast, which was a while ago, but we, we mentioned why it is active city and not sports city. Mm-hmm. And that is by design, yeah. right? That, that far more encompassing. But still, I think, I think it's going to take a little bit of a sales job, right? To right. get people to... Well, I think in part because... And I don't know if it's just the nature of high-performance sport that has driven this, but we have been competitive with one another and siloed with one another sure. versus seeing the economies of scale and the benefits of working together in the rising tide raising all ships analogy. Um, but we're hoping that that comes about as the result of the summit. Yeah, yeah no, and, and there are parallels to this. Um, and the, the again, I, I'm a big fan of history. Mm-hmm. History tells wonderful lessons. And the parallels go, in fact, about 20, 25 years ago around the very nature of arts and culture. Yep. And and questioning the value of investment in the arts and mm-hmm. culture. And it was as fragmented, if not exponentially more, than the sports and recreation um, group is today. Um, and then somebody sat down, who was a researcher back in the late 90s, questioned the value, especially with the origins of digital technology, about the value of creativity. 
And all of a sudden, it became reframed as arts and culture, in fact, is a platform for triggering creativity. So how much is creativity worth in the new environment? And then that we've seen that evolve over the last 20 years from, from a measurement perspective um, globally um, and certainly at the national level that looked at the, the investments in creativity that now span engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now spans, obviously, traditional arts and culture, music, film, and so forth, architecture. So you start looking at that mm-hmm. at, a, at a sector level. So how much are those sectors worth to us? And then the individuals within those sectors and across different sectors that, in fact, generate value to a community. And when you start looking at that, it fundamentally says, well, how do we create more creative people? Because at the end of the day, that's what makes us unique and different. That's what makes us mm-hmm. having a sustainable competitive right. advantage which starts in preschool. And we, and we would argue that, so I think it was Richard Florida who coined the creative class, creative class yeah. and the creative economy. And now cities are now developing entire strategic plans based around trying to attract uh, this segment of the population because they see the economic benefit of it long term. And I, I don't want to jump too fast, but I, I think the active economy could have a similar uh, path, a similar process whereby cities recognize the economic benefit, the social benefit of attracting people based on the active economy and the, the lifestyle that a city can, can provide people. So are we in competition with the creative community? No, absolutely not. In fact, okay. this is where you actually look at it. So Patty Pond from Calgary Arts Development, Terry Rock, her predecessor at Calgary Arts Development, this is where, who ironically is with Platform, which is already on the tech side. So if you look at these as three pillars, they're highly interactive, right? The very nature of, you know, at the end of the day, it's about attraction, uh, uh, attraction acquisition, and retention mm-hmm. of people with the right skills. So there's a whole bunch of overlay. And what Patty and I talk about it, in fact, where we overlay is the experience economy. It's about immersing yourself. So right. there's a spectrum here, and there's a big part in the middle that, in fact, are complementary. So as Patty will talk, the X Games is not a sporting event. The Olympics are not a sporting event. If you look at them, they're, they're all about, yes, sports, mm-hmm. arts, culture, community. Yeah, right. They're yeah. all interweaved. So, again, looking at them um, uh, on a siloed basis, in mm-hmm. fact, is devaluating both of them. Well, it's funny because if you, if you draw back, and this is a very you know, basic concept, but even the most significant major sporting events now have seen the requirement and the need to expand beyond the single event. Yeah. That there has to be a lead up to it, there has to be a festival component, if you will. That's how the evolution has come. Well, I think that's in part the recognition that if significant investments are being made by civic leaders, there needs to be an impact. It yeah. has to act as a catalyst. Can't be develop. three hours long. No, it has to, de- yeah. it has to be a yeah. catalyst to develop a legacy for the community. And I think that's where they see that happening is through the arts and the culture and the social elements of it. It can't just be a sporting event. It has to be more than that. You see the biggest challenge, at least for me, the biggest challenge with active cities inclusion. And, and not, not that we, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what we deal with day in, day out, which is you know, trying to break down the walls and bring people in. Mm-hmm. This seems to me more like the challenge is to, to, to educate people that they need to be part of this, right. that they are part mm-hmm. of this, right? And one of the things that we established early on in this, Rob, um, was to make this the largest public engagement process in the city's history. So if you look at um, what's considered a benchmark right now is yeah. Imagine Calgary, uh, which was back in 2006 engaged, if I recall, the number of 16,000 Calgarians in the process um, that developed a 100-year plan for the city, a mm-hmm. 100-year vision for the city. 
if if people don't own a vision, there is no vision. Yep. And we saw this. We've seen this. And this is why we need jerk week to week on all these major investment decisions. Because without a framework to make a decision, every decision looks good or bad. Olympics, Green Line, Arena, it doesn't matter. They all look good or bad without an anchor point from mm-hmm. a decision-making perspective. Right. So we are going to be over the next 12 months. The summit on the 18th is simply the starting point. But we're going to have to cascade. Our goal is to cascade and, again, bottom up. We're not going to, as a group of people, be out talking to 65,000 Calgarians. We are going to have create a movement around whether it be people in horticulture, whether it be people in the dance community, whether people in the hockey community are going to do from the bottom so up. Let's stop right This is fascinating to me. Explain how horticulture is part of an active community. Because we know about hockey, football, baseball. Yeah. Horticulture? Wait a minute. No, that's not. So, but no, but that's what it's a, we're it's, it's a reasonable right? question. Yeah. So again, it's inclusivity. When you look at changing demographics, yeah. if you look at the reality of, of, I always say today, here's the challenge from an educational perspective. University made a hell of a lot of sense when people lived until they were 60. Um, <laughs> they went to school for four years between the ages of 18 and 22, roughly. Then they had a 30-year career, 35-year career, and they died. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, yeah. Kids today in primary school are going to live to be about 100, 110. Right? So the very nature of university doesn't make sense. The reality is the body's got a, a Not that time. we don't want people to no. come to Stay university. In school, <laughs> Stay in school, Stay kids. In school. That's right. Don't do drugs. Um, but that's legal now, so that's okay. Uh, but, but here's the reality. The reality of why gardening is important is because yeah. you're going to be ch- – you're changing yeah. uh, an entire engagement process for people over the age of 60. They have to be active for the next 40 to 50 years. Yeah. And different approaches to that – and I'll, my wife is not 60, but <laughs> she's in the garden 20 hours a week, mm-hmm. at least in the garden 20 hours a week. Guess what she has to do? Also go to physio every week because it's hard on her, right? She's involved in the... So you very easily could have said she's an active tennis player and she needs to go to physio. She's an active hockey player. She needs to go to physio. She's in horticulture. She needs to go to physio. physio. It's a very... Yeah, so this is where it's inclusive and why we need to reframe. What's a 90-year-old going Mm -hmm. to do uh, in 20 years from now to remain active? How does that influence... Uh, civic pr- investment priorities. Right. How does that influence urban design? And when we start thinking at that way, How we're going to move beyond health planning. Health. Well, this is why health and wellness is such a critical part of this component because we know that preventative health care through activity yeah. um, reduces health care costs on the system by roughly about 3% globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has huge policy implications. When somebody lives to 110, if they're not active, um, it's going to be a massive burden on the overall system. Yeah. And I, I, I used examples at the front end talking about negative examples on what kind of spurred this on, but I would also say that there have been other instances where we've picked up on storylines that have not been brought into the big tent of yes. active, active cities. So, and, you know, this is one that, that's close to you is the fly fishing. Yeah, and at the Bow absolutely. River is, you yeah. know... Recognized internationally as as you know a real jewel, um, people the, are, people would be shocked shocked to know who's floating down the boat today. Yeah, exactly. Former presidents, former yeah. NFL Hall of Famers, and stuff like that. It is a true gem. You know, within within the city of Calgary, I think uh, we have the most uh, paved cycling tracks. Uh, my wife and I had a chance to just go cycling down in uh, Fish Creek Park. Like it's fantastic. Like we have we have some real jewels within the city. Just in the last couple of weeks, there've been articles about a group trying to create a, a surfing 
system in right. the Bow River. There was an article just in the Herald just a couple days ago about Calgary wanting to reposition itself as a tech hub for gamers. Sport Calgary, we did all Sport One City, and we got international coverage on indoor sailing. So right? there are lots of examples where I think we bat above our weight, like we, like we or, or punch we punch above our weight. Um, but yet we're not bringing them all under one roof in so far as having a conversation. So why? Is that, is that what you were talking about before, David, about the kind of the traditional model of, you know, philanthropic people bow forth and we'll go and follow well, me? It's, a highly, it's so siloed and fragmented. Um, people have grown up in their silos and the system is siloed. So when you actually look in, I always call it verticals versus horizontal. The history is vertical. The future is horizontal. Right. Um, and so we want to start looking at how a bridging across what we call the ecosystem and seeing how the ecosystem can be sustainable by collaboration. So let me ask you this. Is there a difference between silos and old boys clubs? <laughs> no, and the reason I ask that, having been in the two, the two sports markets in Alberta, in my time, I would say Edmonton was an old boys club. But for the longest time, Hugh Campbell and Glenn Sather made all the decisions. When I came to Calgary, it seemed like it was more... Hmm. you know, collaborative and different owners and different pieces and things like that. Is that when we Well, we're all in our own silos, though. When I use silos, I'm saying, you know, certain people are hockey people or hockey families. Certain other people are in... in, into other parts of the active ecosystem. But is the decision made ultimately the decision making? Is it is it siloed too? Has that been part of the problem? Is that something that we're trying to expand people's minds beyond? I, I think it's. I think what we're seeing from a civic perspective is it's fragmented, okay. and you see this at council okay, it, again without a pl- without a destination. You know, any place looks good. You can get there any way you want, right? And this in the city has no destination. And therefore, why we knee-jerk on, we're talking legacy investments, things like the Green Line, things like cycle tracks, things like mm-hmm. arenas, are generational investments that we knee-jerk on week to week. Mm. Because again, if you don't know where you're going, any investment decision looks good or bad. And, and our position from, from day one has been, what's that anchor look like? So ironically, when we move through this process, step one is defining the anchor, which frankly has nothing to do with sports and recreation or the active economy. It's about measuring what's community, what's Calgary look like as a, in, in the future. And from that, what we're looking at is, again, we're, not de- we're totally detaching it from right. um, sport and recreation. We're saying, how do you measure well-being, right? Um, because we know, research shows, what's ultimately people's purpose and goals in life. It's to be happy. <laughs> well, how do you measure well-being? And and again, this is we're not. Don't you measure it in wealth? What's that? <laughs> nah. Well, so here, so again, the model we're using for for this process is, in fact, we're borrowing from New Zealand and OECD um, around a learning standards, uh, um, a wellness standards framework mm-hmm. that looks at well-being based on four measures. Again, it's tied to issues of um, economic well-being. Because so that's the, part of it. Pro- prosperity that's, matters. Traditionally, that's yeah. kind of the Hollywood vision of yeah. the well, the G, G, life, And right? that's how governments at multiple levels have always measured success. It's tied to GDP, yeah. economic yeah. growth, right? Again, but there's issues tied to social value or social capital, human capital, environmental capital. And then New Zealand, I think, is a perfect example. They just released the quote-unquote wellness budget. And so I think governments are starting to recognize that perhaps there are other ways of measuring growth and satisfaction other than just the economic parameters. And so we're looking at livability, like what makes a, a city livable um, and the most livable city. And so then you can start to look at, well, then should we invest in a field house? Right. Uh, should we invest in public art? Should we invest in an event center based on does that make our city 
a more livable one. So if, if somebody's listening to this and they're not a doctor, would they be able to list? They'd be able to draw the conclusion that, well, maybe I don't view active or sport important, but I need to recruit staff here. Mm. This has value in the ability for me to recruit, retain staff. Again, go back to why isn't this called sport? It's called active for many reasons, right? Am I mm-hmm. am I on the right path? And this is the the. The Richard Florida argument from two decades ago around the creative class um, and around if you look at again pulling back in with our partners at Calgary Economic Development, Calgary and the new economy fundamentally is about acquisition and retention of uh, of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what builds strong communities in the future, and we have we believe a competitive advantage um, of associated with place and people, mm-hmm. um, a natural advantage that we're undervaluing right now. And 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 how do we in fact frame that opportunity, invest in that opportunity, and leverage it? Because this then all of a sudden takes the value of the active economy and cascades it uh, into other sectors. Because right. I want to attract that petroleum engineer mm-hmm. from Houston who wants to be a skier, who mm-hmm. wants to, who's a fly fisherman. The, all of a sudden, the whole conversation changes from that traditional, how much money am I going to make, yeah. uh, to a question around um, livability. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're trying to anchor this around. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why we need the full spectrum of those that yeah. are within the active economy that, that's to participate. That's what I want. listening to this podcast yeah. today. That, that's my challenge to you is, you know, look beyond what you think should you know you probably have in your mind's eye who's going to be at Winsport on September 18th yeah. look beyond that you know I, I want my friend Greg Beauchamp who's Alberta Marine in Nanton I think he needs to be there because boating and recreation culture you know I think Tyler White out at Siksika Health and, and what they're doing in Gleeson I think they need to be there that's how I'm viewing this you know I want heroes there I want Kidsport there you know the top end will be there everybody there but that to me is the real challenge in here and that's why I love right. the border culture Every, like, yeah. I retweeted yeah. that because yeah. Hopefully, I, I, it's not going to be viral, but two or three people are going to have their minds blown by, wait a minute, that, I need to understand this. And that's to me, is the biggest, not stumbling block, but challenge for us as a group is to get everybody into the tent, like you say. Because mm-hmm. arts and crafts, arts and crafts, <laughs> arts and crafts did it, art, but, but yep. the art culture did it. it. They managed to, to do mm-hmm. that, right? Right. They've, done, they've been exceptionally good at being able to frame that down to a point that, again, 15 years later, they've got a one page plan. That they all line up to, um, and it's so. Is that the ultimate goal? Here? Uh, could, the, could we come? Would Active City? Because this has got a finite timeline, right? right? This is not going to go on in yep. infinity. At the end of it, can we have a one page? Here it is. That that would be success. And the the benchmark I'm using is so I'm going to step back to my to my role from a business perspective. Yeah. And one of the first jobs I had at a university, my boss handed me a book called The Discipline of Market Leaders. Um, it was written in the early '90s, and it talked about how great companies. Um, are incredibly disciplined and focused. They basically pick one thing to be the best at enough, and then then they have to be the second best at everything else. Yep. But if you're not, that's the term being muddled and being lost in the middle, right? Because you try to be all things, you allocate resources all over the place, and at the end of the day, you're just vanilla and not known for anything as a company. So as if you if you step back from a community perspective and say have we in fact leveraged our core assets, our strength, what we have a natural advantage of, right? And that is, I'm going to argue, people in place. And and the 88 Olympics, my hypothesis is, because there's very little research around this, 
has, in fact, was a trigger point for us. Not tied to the Olympics, but tied to the attraction of people brought here. And I think it fundamentally changed the um, profile of Calgary mm-hmm. from, a, from a global perspective, but then attracted um, people that started here as elite athletes or as coaches or as physiotherapists and then built lives here. Mm-hmm. And that lives led to two or three different companies that they created that, in fact, became an edge in, for this invisible active economy, yeah. right? And that skills, and so the question we have going through this process is we're auditing these companies, and I think we're up to, up to roughly 2,000 right now, different organizations that are part of this active ecosystem. Do we, in fact, have the 30-year legacy has nothing to do with a ski jump or the saddle dome. The 30-year legacy is an incredible wealth of people we have here, and you overlay that with place, which is called river, mountains, and foothills. Mm-hmm. And we've got this unique asset that we are not gelling and leveraging from a competitive advantage right. perspective. And so, right. that yeah, is the output a one-page plan that says we are going to be known as the most active city in the world, and that will then have these direct and indirect benefits on creating the mm-hmm. most livable city in the world in which whether you're sitting at an oil and gas or engine uh, energy company, you want to be part of that because that, then you can attract the best petroleum engineers in the world to a city that everyone wants to mm-hmm. live in. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. What's your 88 takeaway then? Is it similar? My 88 takeaway? Yeah, I would agree I mean, with that. That's, the, that's interesting the way it was articulated right there by the other doctor. Um, <laughs> the other doctor. No, and I'll just say that yeah. for me, the 88 takeaway has always been the volunteerism. That that event established this city mm-hmm. and what makes a Calgarian always at the top of the list is the ability to pitch in and, and volunteer. I, I would say hosting a, a major event like that it's always the, the difficulty is, is identifying cause and effect um, and, and chicken or egg. So was Calgary a volunteer city that then coalesced through hosting a big event like that and then it was allowed to demonstrate its volunteerism? Right. Which, or did the games themselves create that right. impetus? That, that's, that's difficult difficult to identify. I would say, though, that the legacy of, a, of a games like that are, are not dissimilar to what you know, Dr. Finch talked about insofar as place and more the psychosocial. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are in a, a city that has international stature, uh, that sense of pride. Yeah. I remember when I moved out here from Ontario in the late in the mid '90s. That was something that really struck me was that sense of bravado um, that Calgary had that I didn't recall feeling in Southern Ontario. Right. Um, that sense of no, no, we're like we're important. We've got something to say. Um, we feel pretty good about ourselves. I would say in the last five years, I've I've sensed that's declined. Um, I, I don't have any metrics or evidence to 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 support that, but that's just the sense that I have. And I think that the conversations that we've had about sport and recreation and active living are a reflection of that. And perhaps this active city is an opportunity, again, for all of our people, mm-hmm. um, those that have traditionally been included and those that have not, uh, to come together again and to perhaps get that sense of direction, that sense of bravado, that sense of, no, no, this is something that we are really good at or could be the best at. 
Um, and it's something for us to really, I don't say brag about, but be proud about. Proud so of. We talked about the tipping point before and why this project just started. Do you have numbers that back up the five years ago? Because I'm right there with you. I think it was somewhere around five years ago that something happened. And it just, the air seemed to come out of the balloon a little bit, right? I mean, do we? Well, not that, I, not that okay. I'm aware of. So one of, the, one of the, you know, the end, you know, at the end of the day, economic performance unemployment rate and yeah. so forth has a huge impact on the confidence of a city and the confidence of the people in the city. Right. And I think we've struggled with that. And here's the challenge. We've struggled with that as a province yeah. because we've been a one hit wonder for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fundamental socioeconomic and political dynamics in that sector has changed structurally so much in the last decade um, that they're questioning not just the past, but the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anyone is anyone going to value the assets we have? And that leads to things like pipeline conversations and so forth. So we're obviously not going to get into there, but there's one of the problems. But one of the things I, I'd like to step back from and say, I, I think it's right, volunteerism, community engagement, all measures, by the way, of social capital, um, which you sit there and go, what's the root of that? Does it start? Is it triggered by the ADA Olympics? This is the challenge. There's there's no single cause and effect. It's a systemic challenge, right? So you've got to look at a bunch of small investments that trigger that. And I always I always use the example of um, what's the relationship between the ADA Olympics and the 2013 flood, right? Look at the resiliency we saw in this city in the two weeks following that flood, yeah. helping out neighbors, yeah. turning around and having a folk fest on Princess Island, having the stampede within three weeks, live with a million people and something that was underwater, yeah. right? What role does does the community, the social capital, and what, where's that rooted? Is it rooted in a soccer pitch with five-year-olds? Is it rooted in the volunteers, the 88 Olympics? And this is the indirect benefits mm-hmm. that we need to measure because if you can, in fact, start looking at line of sight yeah. and saying the resiliency, what we saw in this community in 2013, in fact, is is indirectly right. and measurably linked to engagement in community through sport and active recreation, then that changes the value proposition dramatically. So you're new to the podcast, so this this will catch you a little off guard. This is where I go a little out there. Um, <laughs> Not new to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite, this so, is my favorite part. Well, okay. You're not going to yell. I want to give you a theory, oh. and then I want to tie it to what I'm hoping comes out of Active City. You talk about five years ago, and I agree with that. Okay, and you know you talked about the challenges for the oil and gas industry and the pipeline, put that aside. The one thing that I know from my time is we put a lot of pressure on the oil and gas companies in this city to sponsor everything. Mm-hmm. We've got a golf tournament, we've got an event, you know, and we hear it all the time downtown. Oh, I'm going to go get a job. Well, I'll leave. I'll go work in the oil and gas. That doesn't work. But I know from being in the kind of the charitable sector, you know, we need some sponsorship. We'll go to oil and gas. That dries up. Mm. That affects mm-hmm. the, the charitable work. It affects the volunteers. It affects everything. I think that's part of what's impacted. Mm. And I think that's part of, I'm not sure that's an answer that comes out of Active City, but I think that's something that needs to be brought up in there is how do we take what we've lost mm. from the ability of having these groups, you know, allow us to do folk fests. And, I mean, a lot of this stuff needs sponsorship. Right. Well, Rob, this is this was my PhD dissertation. <laughs> I literally stepped back. So my background is sponsorship and community investment. Okay. Uh, so both, am I anywhere close to being? Well, yeah, you are right on it. But oh. here's the problem. Oh. And I, I step back to my life 
my life both on the client side than yeah, with yeah. T1 yeah. on the agency side, is at the end of the day, there's got to be a return. There's got to be a measurable link between right. the allocation of these scarce resources, which are which I always say somebody else's money. Yeah. I don't care if it's a donor's money or yeah. a shareholder's money. You're spending somebody else's money. I've got to connect that to value creation, right. right? So when I was on the corporate side, I always tell my students of the story of I was given a, I was told to cut $100,000 from my, my budget. Okay, I got two line items. One line item is a salesperson. Do I fire the salesperson that sells X hundreds of thousands of dollars of products a year, or do I cancel $100,000 in my community investment budget? Because one is clearly measurable, Absolutely. and one is not. Right. So what do you do? You pull the right. plug on the community investment budget. Right. What you don't understand or appreciate, because there's no one that does this, is the systemic impact that may have mm-hmm. on the value of your organization over time. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's literally what drove me back to my PhD after in working in the industry for 20 years, was understanding... How, in fact, can you measure that system and understand, connect those dots of these intangible investments to tangible value creation? And that's fundamentally what this is about. This is when I talk about the, the ecosystem. It's looking, going deep into the ecosystem and talking about volunteer coaches and looking at stuff that happened years ago and say, how does that systemically, indir- yeah. indirectly connect and create value for a community? Because that's where the value sits. The, I always say the line of sight stuff's easy. Yeah. The line of sight stuff's easy, but I invest in X and it contributes to Y. No problem. Monkey yeah. can do that. Yeah. The harder stuff's the systemic stuff. And that's where really we're at because you're right. The minute um, a CFO in an organization says, cut $100,000, which then cascades across mm-hmm. uh, arts, culture, yeah. sport, nonprofit organizations across all sectors, the cascading impact that has on not only the community, but on that company is, is immeasurable. Mm-hmm. But if you've been cultured, conditioned, and educated in a system where the only line item that matters is that, yeah. is then it's an easy decision from a CFO's perspective. And it was an easy decision sure. for mine. Sure. Right? This is why we need to have an elevated and different conversation. And we're starting to see from a business and management perspective, you're starting to see that fundamentally change. Well, I'm, I'm having, that's fantastic. Because I, one of the things that I thought was really cool when I, Tom Rennie took over as the president of Hockey Canada, he, he said, you know, we need to make volunteering you should get a tax break on that. Like if you volunteers, co- these are the types of ideas that I think now is the perfect time to come forward. Well, and I think to fill in the gaps, right? I think Hockey Canada just committed yesterday. They said, no, this is important that we need to be involved in this. I think they're sending five people. Yeah. So I think the national sport organizations understand, even at a civic level, uh, the importance of this conversation and this discussion. So is this replicable? That's one word. Can we replicate this? Well, could, yeah. could, could other communities, could this be done? We're doing it at a civic level. Mm-hmm. Could it be done at a provincial level? Could it be done at a national level? Well, that, that would be the, so the model from a pure um, researcher's perspective is certainly that. So working with David, Trevor Doom, and other academics beyond Calgary, this is where the interesting model, this is the idea of there's a lot of us in this space who have been in the sport and recreation space uh, for years this is a is a game changing refocusing of the lens. The idea of just like again, nineteen ninety eight when the first term uh, was used around the creative economy, mm-hmm. fundamentally reframed the conversation. Mm-hmm. It took twenty years to cascade to a political and policy level. The idea of an active economy reframing the conversation of how we create value and therefore how do you invest in in that system. There's a lot of people beyond Calgary that are interested in this conversation. This is why we've mobilized um, uh, uh, researchers from beyond Calgary to engage in using Calgary such as a case study. Can we, in fact, map it? 
the reality is we're going to go through the system over the next year and frame out a Calgary model, we believe. Right. We're going to have Calgary measures. They're all relevant until we know where they sit relative to others. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at measures around the creative economy, you can measure Calgary as a wonderfully creative city until, for example, the Conference Board of Canada just did a national study and plopped Calgary in there and said, not so much. Because <laughs> when you compare us to Montreal, Vancouver, Halifax, and other cities, we're in fact not a very creative city. Right, yeah. which should be um, aspirational. Yeah. We should sit there and say, "Here's a problem. Here's a measure." Because in isolation, three percent of our investment tied to, I believe it is tied to creativity, is great. Until you look at mm-hmm. Montreal at eighteen, right. and said, "We got a problem." Right. So, where's Calgary sit? Are we number one or are we number ten on that list? And this is a much bigger and, and longer term conversation. So, and, you, no, no, no. Can I just? I want to squeeze one in here on you. You deal with kids. You're an instructor. You deal with. You know, young people. Yeah. Are young people aspirational, David? Are they, are, is this, there's so much made about this generation. There's so much made about societal change. Are they aspirational? Oh, I think, I, uh, yeah, yes. Okay. The answer is yes to that. Okay. I, but I think aspirational perhaps in different ways um, than we were. Or, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all over yeah. 50. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think they see the, the type of city that they want to live in um, differently than perhaps we did. And I think it goes back to your comment that you made earlier about measuring success. Yeah. Um, and I think the, I would say that the students that I teach um, see their future success differently than we may have defined it when right. we were that age. Um, and, I, but, but, and so I think part of what we're trying to do with this active city initiative is trying to understand how the city can design itself for that future in mind. Um, so coming back to, to Dr. Finch's comments, like we don't really know where we, where we stand um, as an active city within a context. So we don't know, are we first, second, third, 10th, 50th, you know, where, where are we? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're trying to get an understanding of that first and then perhaps you know, have a benchmark against other cities so that we can get better at it. We have an inkling that we're pretty good. If we were to look at some things like the access to fly fishing, I, yeah. I've got fly fishing on the mind today. Um, it's a beautiful day. But we don't know. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is get that benchmark baseline understanding, which is why we need everybody at this event. Um, because if we don't have these disparate entities that are there to help us understand the full spectrum, you know, the example that you brought up, the new sportsplex that's just been built on, on, in, in Sutina, yeah. we need to understand the perspective that comes from, you know, all members of Calgary. You know, just prior to getting on this podcast, we were chatting with Linda McPhail, Executive Director of Alberta Blind Sport. We need yeah. to have an understanding of all Calgarians um, and how they participate in what they define as active recreation, sport, or physical activity. And if we don't get that, it's pretty tough for us to articulate and then create a plan on how to get better. It circles us back to the 2026 problem, right? The 2026 problem you started seeing, I don't care where you sat on that equation, yes or no. Um, There wasn't anyone that was engaged in that process and the 100 plus thousand people who actually voted who doesn't aspire for a greater future for this city. They just disagreed on what that looked like. Um, But I would argue that there are very few people in as part of that cohort that said, "I want my I don't want my city to be active." I I do not believe there were anyone in that cohort that said, "No, no, no, I'm good with a city (laughs) that is about 
big highways and roads <laughs> and 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 in obesity and sitting in a chair for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. right? Though, but they just questioned whether the Olympics as an investment was the best medium. And so this was the, the challenge, Rob. The challenge is we got so focused on the means, we never focused on the end. Yeah. And this is changing the conversation because we need to understand what the end looks like. And then we could decide whether that end looks like centralized infrastructure investment does it look at highly decentralized investment so you're looking at um, smaller facilities closer to communities when you look at the diversifying uh, population both from a new canadian perspective but also from a a generational perspective massive ramifications this is why everyone needs to be at the conversation around the table to really start mapping that out so what's the connection to government here Traditionally, this is something that would be generated by governments. In the past, it would be the city that would set down and let's get the stakeholders together. This is different. So, at the end of this, do like do we become, you know, like influencers, or are we gonna, you know, are we gonna be lobbyists? Is that what happens here? How does how does this move forward beyond? I, I think it's yet to be seen. Uh, it, to me, this has been a very organic, grassroots uh, evolution. Right. Um, so it hasn't been driven by bureaucracy. It hasn't been driven by government. Uh, this was a, a number of individuals, and you were included in many of these early conversations too, just by individuals, I think, who have a passion um, for our city and a passion for the role that sport, active recreation, physical activity can play in its evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I, part of me doesn't ever want this to take on a, a life bigger than it should. I, I like that it's a movement. I like that it's a, an unorganization. I like that it's being driven by individuals who are passionate. Like, and again, David and I are not garnering any fiscal benefit from this at all. Um, you <laughs> know, like the opposite. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like really, this is just, this is a passion play. This is something that we think is important for our city and for our students and uh, for our children, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it sounds all very, you know, motherhood and apple pie, but it is. Um, that's this is really where it's come from, and I think that's why we enjoy it too, is because we have such a passion for it and yeah. have so, such a belief yeah. in it. Well, I don't, politicizing it isn't doesn't work for anyone. At the end of the day, what we want to do is create a, a, a momentum based on engaging sixty five thousand people, which is five percent of Calgary in this conversation. Yep. Immediately gives us a legitimacy on the level that this city has never seen before. Um, simplifying that might be through a variety of different recommendations. Um, and then we're working collaboratively with different levels of government and policy are engaged in the conversation as much as any volunteer hockey coach or sure. is involved in the conversation. They're engaged yeah. because they are members of this ecosystem, um, but is never going to be about... Um, you know, sitting in front of a city council or any other form of government and giving them guidance uh, from a policy and political perspective. Now, I just want to step back one second because I think I think there's an opportunity from a from a reference point perspective because the reference point um, we used in a working paper we developed on this conversation, in fact, is Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Nashville is an important lesson because. Oh. Nashville, not from an active sport perspective, but the, what I refer to as the Nashville Music Cluster. Yeah. Right? The Nashville Music Cluster is really interesting because it goes back 150 years. And then they learned very quickly on, if you look at the maturity of that cluster model um, and recognizing we are going to be the best, back to the discipline. We're going to be great at this. 
and we're going to own it. And everything they do is wrapped around owning it. So you look at the legacy, the measures, 17 of the top 25 artists uh, in country music started in Nashville. Yep. The music publishing, the entertainment, the entire sector that's been built out. It's not happened by accident. It's been nurtured systematically. Mm-hmm. There's 38 different collaborative sectoral organizations Including that government. facilitate that, mm-hmm. that are part of the conversation, mm-hmm. that facilitate and nurture that systematically. Just does it knee-jerk. The, for me, the trigger point of that's fascinating is the introduction of country music to primary education in Nashville. <laughs> so the fact is they look at it as a full ecosystem. We yeah. are going to create a, an entire generation of people. Their greatest risk was losing people. Yeah. And this is our city's greatest risk. They're creating an entire generation of children that are loving and growing up, loving what is about what is great about Nashville. So when they graduate, yeah. they stay in Nashville or they come back to Nashville. And so I think Calgary needs to, again, our natural assets, really think about what do we have here? How can we systematically nurture this? Um, and build something there, we are going to be just recognized like Nashville is. And when we say natural assets, we're not necessarily just talking about the physical geography of our city, but the things like the volunteer spirit. Um, These are what we would consider to be our natural assets that we need to capitalize on. Yeah, Yeah. People in places. People in places. So when we look at at September 18th and the summit, there's a couple things that, because when we met, I said, we we really need to come up with that elevator speech, right? Like, To me, it's still, I, I challenge, I'm challenged a little bit by explaining to somebody exactly. I want people to understand, this is not a TED Talk when they come on September 18th. This is interactive. This is roll your sleeves up, come prepared to work. We'll feed you. Um, (laughs) Breakfast and lunch is included. Parking is free. Right. But this is not the start, but it's the launch point. You know, so somebody's making a decision to come to this. This isn't a one-off, right? No, not at all. Uh, This is a a year-long with this process. Um, we'll start on September 18th and run into the end of, of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our plan to engage again systematically. It is not a TED Talk because we're going to have speakers yeah. that will really focus more on raising interesting questions. And then we're going to have a very large facilitated engagement process where everyone then can um, engage and ask their questions, raise their opinion and points of view, and that will come out as a report that will be issued at the end of at the after the uh, the summit is over. Um, so again, the ability to engage them in the conversation, listen to them, is the critical part of this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that because I think we kind of mentioned and touched on it, but there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to catalog this. To you know, kind of you talk right off the top about data. There's a lot that's being captured here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have a number of undergraduate students who are just loving <laughs> this process. And I, I say that a yeah. bit tongue-in-cheek, but actually, I think they're actually getting a lot out of it. Um, who have worked on a number of, of papers, white papers, collecting data, trying to get a fulsome understanding of Active City. And then once we've hosted the summit, then we can just catapult that and, and go even further. Because I'm sure there's lots out there that we ourselves are not fulsomely aware of. No, that's part of this journey, right? I mean, you think back to, this started what, as the Sports Business Conference, right? Back in March. Back in March. Sport Business Roundtable. Roundtable, thank you. And that was a roundtable. I'm not sure that we walked into the library in that beautiful little room there and and had a nice little croissant and grabbed a (laughs) cup of tea and thought, well, this is going to be an interesting journey. I wonder where we're going to end up. But here we are. And I I, I think we're still there. I don't think we have a, a preordained destination. 
um, as to where we see this going. I think we're still, we're part of that journey too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exciting to me. Part of it is the excitement of, of meeting people like Jason Rivero. I, I, I just think we, he's not going to see the end of this. He'll be running the damn country. Um, but it's interesting to see all these different people kind of coming out of the woodwork and, and all of the people with an influence and an, yeah. and an interest in this. Right? And when we, when we hosted those round ta- that roundtable in March, David and I tried to bring in a broad cross-section yes. of people. We were pretty purposeful about that, skateboarding, e-sport, um, the more traditional you know, team sports that you would expect to see. But we were limited by the size of the room and the fact that we still wanted to have it grow organically and slowly and so we had 40 people what well, the the what I can I found fascinating uh, by that meeting was the fact that I just assumed within the sport community because I'm more of a business person I always talk David's sport I'm the business if we're going to kind of split there right what I found fascinating is the fact that the vast majority of people had never met one another in that mm-hmm. room I just assumed there was that quote unquote community Mm -hmm. uh, that everyone knew one another and they didn't so that was the number one interesting outcome of that process request from that process is more please create more Mm -hmm. opportunities to collaborate and again the research shows that that if you as intentionally create opportunities for that horizontal collaboration it leads to valuable outcomes yeah the meeting officially ended and then people were still there an hour and a half later Mm because they didn't want they wanted that opportunity to connect with one another so we're hoping to then take it to the next level with Active City, and we have room for 400 people. Um, so please get us to 400, and we'll figure out how to get to 500. <laughs> and so the more the merrier. Oh, right? exactly. Again, this is we really want to take that conversation that we had at the roundtable in March, mm-hmm. where people didn't want to leave because they were meeting people from different areas, yeah. um, and they were just learning about a new beach volleyball, uh, right. you know, facility that was being built down in Central Calgary, and they didn't know it was there. We want all those people to be at Active City so that they can engage with one another and we can build off the economies and the benefits, the shared interests that we have. Right, right. My students always joke that they get frustrated by me because I never answer their questions because I always answer their questions with a question. Yeah. Because I think that is actually the important part of the process. And so the March meeting left with we had a list of 50 questions that emerged from that. Yep. That became really the framework for a whole series of research David talked to. I'm anticipating when we come to the 18th, it's going to establish uh, a, a more sophisticated list, a broader list yeah. of questions that need to be answered. And the beauty from our perspective is, and I've said this over and over, is there are very few questions that have been asked that haven't been answered already. Right, And it's just a matter of locating the answer, mm-hmm. ensuring that the source of the answer is legitimate and credible. And then all of a sudden, it change, and we start knitting that together into an interesting narrative. That's what we're focused on. Because all the answers are out there. They're just incredibly fragmented. Yeah. And that's what we're really focused on, ensuring that we're building an evidence-based case going forward based on somebody says, where did that data point come from? Right. They're yeah. going to sit there and see the research and the science behind that. Yeah. Uh, September 18th at Windsport. Um, anybody to, uh, off the top of your head, remember the websites? Contact information? You can go to activecitycollective.org. There we go. Uh, and uh, and then you can click on register now, and that'll take you to Eventbrite. And it's $49 uh, for uh, for-profit organizations, $29 for nonprofit and public organizations. Right. It's pretty cool. 
I mean, and that's free. and lunch and breakfast. Lunch and it's breakfast. a cost recovery. That's, that's, really, that's, really, that's all it is. And free parking. But again, it's not a TED talk. Come and be part of it. Yeah. Participate in it. Yeah. And and I can't stress this enough. The, the hockey Calgary people will be there. The, the hockey Canada people there. Soccer will be. Uh, they'll, they'll be. It's the horticulture. It's yeah. it's the it's the person who's selling sporting goods. It's the person who's guiding on the bow. It's all those people who It's wouldn't. an urban planner from Calgary Municipal Land Corporation. Right? All of the people huh. that wouldn't necessarily view themselves in this in, in this group need to be there. Big tent. Medical right? doctor. Like, again, the, the, you look at the full yeah, ecosystem, uh, right? The, I was talking to the president of the Canadian Orienteering Association, and she's coming. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we're big tent, broad spectrum. Big, giant tent. And one of the comments that I should have that we're, yeah. you know, again, we struggled with as a group, and therefore we're leaving it as open-ended around what is active, is what is Calgary from a regional perspective. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the question of we're referring to it as the regional regional active economy, because you can't detach the mountains from this. You no. can't detach the river. You can't detach the foothills. And therefore, Calgarians yeah. don't, so why would we? Um, and so we're looking at really systematically that way, because I think the people, whether it be, you know, anywhere in the Bow Valley Corridor um, or anywhere north and south that's part of this ecosystem yeah. Yeah. should be involved. Yeah, so I'm that. mountain biking with my sons in Bright Creek last night. The, the civic border... Is, yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's irrelevant. Yeah, everybody should be there. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Done this and we haven't solved the damn thing again. <laughs> Even we bring in two doctors and we can't <laughs> solve anything. It's amazing. 